Jacob in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Want to remind you to join Unrivaled coming up Friday, which would be tomorrow, right? From noon to three. Price is so low to blow your mind. It's the warehouse. Ben, did you get a chance to catch uh, any of the good doctor, Dr. Chris Hill, this morning with nope. uh, DJ and uh, I listened to the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> no, he was good. But I, I thought the conversation that they had, which was really the purpose of, yeah. of him coming in to talk about the journey and, and how far the football program, they didn't talk a ton of basketball, and that's sure. where they, they kind of focused it on on the growth of the football program, uh, which now, of course, is, is culminating in a, in a Rose Bowl berth. But I thought uh, one part that was interesting was the, the two times, basically, that Coach Witt was on the brink of not being the Utah coach anymore and how cooler heads prevailing and Coach Witt really recovering at the last possible minute. Yeah. Uh, was was unbelievable for this program because I don't and let me ask you this this is kind of by, where I was wait leaving. by Witt's desire to leave no 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 or because Utah was ready to part ways with Witt Ooh, Utah was ready to part ways with Witt uh, Chris Sill used the the phrase his Witt's Waterloo a couple of times huh. this morning like one of those uh, yep. those types of situations and and we can get into those details but to, but I guess. If Utah would have not been patient, and maybe this is a lesson for the rest of college sports, would they be in the Rose Bowl today had they cut bait either time? They could have. Yes. Utah could still get to a Rose Bowl because a lot of the things that make Witt successful are things that will keep Utah successful or why BYU's had success. You know, you've got a bunch of talent in the state. You've had a pretty relatively wide open conference that's been available to win. So there are reasons why I think you could still say Utah could have gotten to a Pac-12 title, won a Pac-12 title, and gone to a Rose Bowl without Kyle Whittingham. But there is a huge difference, I think, and maybe I'm just, you know, can't see the forest through the trees. I'm just too close to it. It feels to me like there's a huge difference between this Rose Bowl for Utah and what they're doing versus what, say... Oregon has done when they've gone to the Rose Bowl when they are losing their coach the next season because it just feels like it feels so flippant for a lot of schools that have these super high highs and drop dramatically because they lose their coach there's no consistency there's no payoff for what going to the Rose Bowl means beyond the immediate gratification and it feels like this is going to have a lot of lasting power it's like TCU or Utah going to a New Year's Six Bowl game versus Hawaii going to a New Year's Six Bowl game. Like, Hawaii didn't really belong there, and it didn't really make sense, but somebody had to go. Utah may have made a Rose Bowl because at one point they had to go. For whatever reason, this Rose Bowl for Kyle Whittingham feels like it's going to be a staple and, and a, a, you know, a, a piece of Utah's fabric forever. Okay. All right. I, I don't disagree with that. Um the, by the way, the two Waterloo moments uh, were the two five and seven seasons. So after yep. that, and they yep. stuck with them. And then the when they got the floor, or they uh, uh, UNLV mopped the floor with them. Remember twenty four zero or whatever sure. back in oh seven before yep. the the turnaround yeah. in oh eight, and they they hardly lost a game after that. Remember, and it was off to the races for wit. But I. I'm going to go a hard no. Utah would not be in the okay. Rose Bowl had they made a move at either of those times, particularly the one in 07. I mean, if they started with a new coach in 08, oh. do they go to the Sugar Bowl? Probably not. And so, if, uh, they, if they restarted at the beginning of the Pac-12. But, but here's my thing, Ben. Being a Virginia Tech fan, 
they're going to be replacing Frank Beamer forever. Correct. Utah, Utah's journey. Correct. Utah's journey is the exception, not the rule. For to go from wit to urban, or excuse me, from uh, Mac to urban to wit. I mean, it's almost like I was thinking about it this way. Mac was the structural engineer. Wit was the arch- or uh, Urban was the architect, and Wit had to be the manager. Correct. Wit had to keep the program at the heights that Urban set it, and and make that into a program, not a flash in the pan, but a program. And if they kept the revolving coach, look at look at Arizona, look at Arizona State, look at UCLA, look at all these programs that are trying to chase to find the oh, next sure. guy that has the formula. I I would not bet Utah would have found a coach. That would have taken it to a next level. I, I would the odds would have been against them. In my defense, I didn't think we were going back to the UNLV loss, which is pre Pac twelve. I should have so said I'm it up thinking, better. No, That's which my is fault. fine. I should have but, said it up. So I'm I was thinking specific. You know, if you don't win the Sugar Bowl, I don't know if you're in the Pac twelve. You know, I think it, that's that important of a win. So, yes, you don't get there without that era of Kyle Whittingham. Now, if you had dismissed, dismissed him after five and seven seasons, you know, two of them back to back, which were tough for Utah, especially when it looked like, you know, they beat Stanford one of those years who was a top five team. And you felt like, OK, they're going, they're making it. And then they absolutely fell apart down right. the stretch. I, I think you could have hired some good young hotshot coaches from smaller P5 school or G5 schools, excuse me, that are trying to prove themselves. But what would have happened if you didn't have Kyle Whittingham for the last 20 years at Utah, whatever it's been now, 17 years, uh, you would have always been a springboard job. And that's dangerous. Utah really could have turned themselves into Colorado, which is a springboard job. You do good at Colorado, you go to Florida. You do good at Colorado, you go to Michigan State. You could have been that spot at Utah. You do good at Utah, and you go and take a good Big Ten job or a good Big 12 job or even a lower-level SEC job. That could have really easily been the case at Utah had they fired Witt. Because that's that's then the expectation that the school sets. That's the problem when you fire a coach. Yeah, right. You set this expectation that we think we're probably a little bit better than 5-7, and seven, but we don't know how much better we can be. So when you succeed, it's probably time to bounce. It's probably time to get out of here because you got to look out for yourself because we're looking out for ourselves at the school. So by keeping wit, keeping him around, letting cooler heads prevail, like you said, you've established that you think there's bigger things, long-term, big-picture stuff that you can succeed when you have the right person in place and you double down on the right person being in that spot. So when Utah does replace Kyle Whittingham, whether it's Kalani, whether it's Morgan Scally, whoever they go out and get, Matt Campbell, throw out the names, Brian Johnson, there's a lot of people who are going to want that job. You can believe that they are going to get a fair shot to want to be there for a long time. Because I think kids, I, I think whoever kids, who, I think whoever the next young coach is who takes this job isn't going to be somebody who interviews and gives off the impression that they might not be there for very long. Utes are going to want another lifer. And I don't know, honestly, if every school does that. Oh, they certainly don't. Yeah, I, I think you're right about that. I think Wit. And and I don't think he put this together all on his own. I think this was a learning process. But I think Witt has found a formula that works in program building at Utah. Recruiting, game plan, what he coaches, how he coaches, how he runs a program works at Utah. I don't think it's a guarantee if you brought in a different coach from a G5 if what they did would work at Utah. No. That's that's far from a guarantee, and thus the the argument that when you do replace Kyle Whittingham, you want to go with somebody that is internal or knows yep. who knows what that that formula and that recipe is. I I look at programs in college football, Ben, and you go, 
Should you be succeeding at the level that you're succeeding, given resources, location, all those sorts of things? And the answer is Utah punches above its weight. For sure. 100%. BYU right now is punching above their weight. Utah State certainly is punching above their weight. But you look at, and I brought this up the other day with you, but it's a great example of it. You look at Nebraska. They, they run off all those national championships and have Tom Osborne. And you look at it, you should be, should you be succeeding like that at, at Nebraska? Of course not. Right. Right. So then Tom Osborne retires and Frank Solich comes in and he has the audacity to only win nine games one season and he gets fired. And this is to your point that you're setting the bar now going forward that you better win nine games at Nebraska or you're going to be fired where it's darn near impossible to win nine games at Nebraska because nobody wants to play in Lincoln. And somehow Tom Osborne figured out the secret sauce to winning national championships at Nebraska. And you shouldn't be just so arrogant that that's about you and not him. And that the next guy's going to have the same success. It's boat people and it's house people and not houseboat people. It's boat people okay. and it's house people. The fast wealth buys the boat, right? You've got something to show off. You've got something fancy. You've got something fun to take out on the lake. You can show everybody off what you have. But the boat doesn't actually provide you any security. But you buy a house, and Kyle Whittingham's a house, and you hold on to that house for 20 years. What do you have? You have equity. You have hundreds of thousands of dollars. You've got money. You've security. got wealth. You've yeah. got security. Kyle Whittingham's a house. Texas Tech treated Matt Wells like a boat. You know what I mean? Like, we've yeah. seen boats. Arizona State loves a boat. I think Oregon, the problem with Oregon might be that they love themselves a good boat. And Kalani Sataki might see that, that they think he's a boat and he wants to be a house in Provo. And I think the schools that have houses generally do very well. Nick Saban, house. Yep. I, Michigan is trying to figure out what to do with Harbaugh. He's slowly turning himself into a house. Those are really good things. Mel Tucker is going to be a house. LSU keeps buying boats, and it's goofy, but they are turning themselves, I think, now into the boat team, and it's going to ruin that because they are not going to have long-term wealth out of it. Here's the, here's the hard part, though. Uh, you bring up LSU, and I'm going I'm to borrow your analogy here, okay. Ben. I'm going to play along. Is what, what happens when you think your coach is a house? Correct. Oh, it had, you, you should have treated it like a boat, like Les Miles, for example. Like that guy shouldn't have been employed at LSU for Correct. that long. He was terrible. Correct. But he won a national championship and they thought, oh, we got a house here. So yeah. we got somebody who's going to be here I'm for gonna, a long time. And then you, know, you find time. yourself, you find yourself living in your boat. And we all know right. the guy who lives in the boat. Ed Ogeron, the ultimate boat. I love this analogy. But that's what it is. And that's what you've got to understand. You have to know when you have a house and when you have a boat. And a lot of teams, some teams are better as boat people. Well, Urban's never going to be a house. Correct. He's not. But he's really good. He's the best boat there is. Right. You know, he really is an incredible boat. But for places like Utah, Provo. You need a house. BYU, you need a house. Which might be why Kalani Sataki doesn't leave BYU. This might be your be best analogy ever. You could apply to all sorts of stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Like absolutely. in the NBA, has LeBron been the first like superstar boat? Correct. He's changed the NBA from houses to boats. But now people have fallen in love with boats and everyone's trying to get a boat and they don't exist out there. And the Jazz are building a house. I like I like this. Yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Because in a couple of years, the Jazz are going to have this equity of this chemistry together, and that's what's going to get you the wins. And it's not the new boat that's going to get you the wins. It's going to be when hard times hit, some people say, well, we'll sell the boat. And the Jazz say, well, no, we'll take a loan out on the house, and we've got the money, and we'll be just fine. And that is honestly what works. Because you sell the boat, and you don't get the boat back. You take a loan out on your house, you still have your house, you just got to pay it back, but you will. 
because you own the house, because you had it for 20 years. That's what the Jazz have done. You're right. These other teams are trying to buy a boat. Well, the Cavs got their boat back and it left again. They did. Yeah, right. That's the thing. They took it to the pawn shop. And then they got the boat back. And actually, they won a race with the boat. Then they lost the boat. Then the they're trying to gone. build another one. Now they need... Uh, Okay, I like I like this. Uh, I like the Garland needs to be their house. Correct. Yeah, they need some house pieces. Jared Allen needs house to be piece. a house. Yep. But it's hard. It's, Done it's with really boats. hard. That when you have your house, you got to hold on to it. It's unique. Kyle Whittingham's super unique. It's really good. Utah didn't get rid of him. They might have made a Rose Bowl. Still, I think they could have hired somebody. They could have tried to get another Urban Meyer, which, again, we're talking about the boat. They could have found another hotshot, but the hotshot would have treated them like a boat dock. I mean, it would have been like, I'm going to stop here for a night, and I'm going to go to my next stop because I think there's better boats over there, and I think there's more money for me. That is how it works, and avoiding that culture can be really good, and it can be really hard to do, I'm sure. Arizona. We're in Boat City in Arizona. I mean, they are going to be chasing the next head coach always because, who is it, Jed Fish down there? Yep. When he wins, what does he do? You're going to stay at Arizona? No, that boat's moving on. No! You can't be a moron. Win at Arizona and then go get whatever job. Go take Nebraska. They'll give you a job at Nebraska. Missouri will hire you if you win at Arizona. And that's the smart thing to do because Arizona doesn't know what it is either. It's just kind of funny to think about, uh, to bring this full circle, uh, Dr. Hill on the station this morning, if he had not gotten booed at that basketball game and Gordon had not written that column about Witt possibly going to BYU, yep. what would have happened? Correct. Because I'll tell you, when, when, uh, when Virginia Tech replaced a stagnant Frank Beamer, who was more or less pushed into retirement... With the new hot young boat, Justin yep. Fuente, I thought to myself, all right, we got it. Here we go. I got myself Woo! a boat. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and that boat sank, Ben. Sink real quick. That boat sank, and, and it was uh, disastrous. And you know what? I wonder, you know, and now automatically I look at this new buffoon that they hired from Penn State and think, well, this boat's just going to fail. Because you had a perfectly good house that you pushed into retirement. Correct. You traded it for a boat. You traded it for a boat, and that boat sucked. And I wonder, if Chris Hill had not gotten booed at that basketball game, and they went and found a brand new boat, if they'd be in the Rose Bowl today? I would say no. I think that's probably a fair take. I think regardless, one way or another, whether you were or not, it would feel different, and you're better to be where you are today than if you had made the other decision and still made a Rose Bowl. Not all Rose Bowls are created equally. I very firmly believe that. Not all success is equal. The ends don't always justify the means, even if they're the same. Oh, well, yeah. Oregon doesn't care about going to the Rose Bowl? Yep. Ohio State doesn't care about going to the Rose Bowl. Now, I understand it's different because they've won championships, including recently they've won championships, but I I, I think there's a difference here for you uh, that you've got to keep an eye on, and Utah's made the right moves, whether they meant to or not. Now, who would be the coaching version of a jet ski? Oh, I mean, who gets – oh, I mean, who was the guy who I – mean, we see people get hired. Cliffs Kingsbury. That dude's a jet ski, right? He was in USC for a weekend? Yep. Yeah, the guys who were there for a weekend. Oh, I was going to go Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is – Is a jet ski. Is a great – because he you think he's a boat, and he ain't even a boat. Nope. <laughs> but he kind of does some boat stuff. I love it that his name popped up with Oregon last night. It's like, how long has he been at Ole Miss? The best. Ten minutes? I love it. You know what I like about him is that he earned that rep at Tennessee, and now he's just turning into the spin. Oh, I, he leans into it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 
Like, I love Lane Kiffin. He's like, there's nothing I could do to shake this rep of leaving Tennessee in the middle of the night. So you know what? That's who I am now. I love Lane Kiffin. One of my five favorite people in college football, Barna. Easy. Love Lane Kiffin. He's super funny on Twitter. Oh, hey, oh, he was so good on college game day. He might be the best. I hope he retires and goes and does. I honestly think there's, there's a dude that absolutely hit rock bottom. And not that I know all the details of his life, but you look into it and there was some personal stuff that fell apart uh, simultaneously with, you know, his his career not going so well. And remember uh, that Daniel Tosh just ripping him a new one on Comedy Central? Just some of the most, like, horribly funny comedy I've ever seen. And I just think, God, I feel bad for Lane Kiffin. This is so, like, mean and terrible. And instead, Lane's like, you know what? Yeah, he can play the game. I'm going for it. That's me. All right. So there's there's our jet skis. Cliff Kingsbury and Lane Kiffin. Yep. Boats and houses. Looking for a house. Always want a house. Always want. Always a house. get the house. Well, you know, what if what if you you're like a, a Sunbelt team and you can't really afford a house? You're just moving from leaky rowboat to leaky rowboat. Whatever it takes. It works, man. It totally works. Top 3 stories from kslsports.com coming up next. 97.5 and 1280 the zone. After a long wait, the Cougars finally know where they're going bowling as Kalani Sitaki and BYU is headed to the Independence Bowl. Independence Bowl. The Zone Sports Network will get you ready for kickoff as the Cougars wrap up an incredible season in a battle against UAP. Your home for the best coverage of Cougar football is right here. Right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is Jake and Ben, 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone. I want to remind you about Mickey Couture. They want to help out this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. It's a no-brainer. Get in today. Save 50%. Get the best gift ever from Mickey Couture. Uh, everybody seems to like the, the boat house analogy, Ben. I think everyone knows the people. Yeah. I mean, I think you understand why that applies. I think everyone knows the boat guy. Everyone knows the house guy or the woman or the, you know, whatever, the family, whatever. We all know it. We know how it works. We've seen it work in person. uh, And I think you can see how it applies to college football. I didn't mean to exit out of that. Well, I'm an idiot. Easy there, Ben. You okay? No, I'm good. You going to make it? No, I'm just Should we just move doing on too many the, things at once. And I exit out here? of like, you ever do that? You have like 20 tabs yes. open and you need every single one of them because it's going to perfectly uh, set you up for the top three stories of the day at kslsports.com. And what do you do? You hit exit and they all closed. Well, good thing Hatch is on it. Let's, uh, Hatch is producing today's top three stories at kslsports.com. Hatch, should we get started? We shall. Number one. Kalani Satake has reportedly talked with Oregon about their head coaching vacancy. We probably should have talked about this earlier in the show, and we touched on it a little bit in the last segment, Jake. But this is this is a huge story. I mean, Oregon, you said it was a top five job. I think it's very easily a top ten job. It's one of the top two or three jobs in the Pac-12, probably top two. Uh, this is huge. And if Kalani Satake got offered a job, I don't know how you turn it down. Oh, no, I, I think you got to take it. I think it's a no-brainer. Well, what, okay, but tell me why you take it. Is it because the money is going to be probably double what BYU can pay? Or is it because you can win at such a high level at Oregon? Well, do you want to be a house or a boat, Ben? Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, I think that is a question. That is what Kalani's weighing. Do I want to be Lavelle Edwards or do I want to be Mario Cristobal? Like, what? How do I vision? Or, who or, do I compare myself to in college football? Or do you want to be Nick Saban? I mean, what, what kind of what kind of person? I mean, if your goal is to be the best college football coach of all time, you go to Oregon. Yeah. And I, I know I'm setting the bar high. I'm doing that on purpose to, to prove a point. I mean, if you want to have the most success you possibly can at your craft, 
you go to Oregon. Because here's the truth. The Big 12 is going to open all the doors that have been closed for BYU for the past decade. You can get to, what, Cotton Bowl? What's the Big 12 tie-in? What are their automatic bowl tie-ins? Regardless. Sugar Bowl, I thought. But whatever, you can win a national championship in the Big 12. Like, you have the access to a national championship. You can it go opens, to a New Year's Six game. It opens the door that has not been open to you for... Ten years. Yeah, yeah right. But, be- but that door might not exist anymore based on the changing rules with the college football sure. playoff. So the, the landscape is quite literally changing. It, it's going to change, and you're going to expand college football playoff. And yeah. you know maybe BYU could have gotten in there anyways. But you're not. You're going to the Big 12. The money's coming in. The facilities will continue to follow, and BYU's already invested in the facilities. Like Everything you need to win at the highest level ideally is actually there for you for BYU. The same way it is actually there for Utah, and they're tasting it now. You know, they didn't go to the college football playoff, but they could have. You know, a couple of years ago, they could have. Oregon could have. Do you feel like your opportunities are so much better to win at that level at Oregon over BYU that you're willing to take the gamble that you might not be at Oregon in five years for one reason or another? Either you're not good enough or you're so good you do what Mario Cristobal and left, or do you want to be at BYU for the next decade? And I think those are a lot of the things that Kalani Sataki is probably weighing right now. Um, BYU will never, <laughs> uh, will will you will never be able to win as big at BYU as you can at Oregon. In for what, a variety. In what way? In what way? You you'll never have the resources that you do at Oregon at BYU unless they start carving off tithing for the athletic department. That's not going to happen. Until the LDS Church wants to actually fund the school's athletic department. Which I I don't think is going to happen. And certainly not anytime soon. The Big 12, you're going to be making half the money that they're making in the Pac-12. Yeah. So, and you're you're not the Nike school, which, of course, we've talked at length about. So, it's... I, I'm just. It's okay. Okay, maybe I overstated it and say you can't win as big at BYU as you can at Oregon. It, maybe you can, but it's nowhere near as easy. It's not going to be as easy. Not even I mean, close. Re- recruiting, we know, is going to be significantly difficult. But resources, right. the money, alone. resources, recruiting to Salt Lake City or Provo, even you know, maybe more difficult compared to Eugene. Yeah, yep. and Eugene's not you know Seattle like we've talked about Washington, or it's not San Francisco or LA. But it's on the West Coast. But still. it's on the West Coast, and it does have this built-in. Uh, background of recruiting. I just, I, I don't know how you turn down Oregon if they offer it to you. And if there's one person who could, it would be Kalani Sataki for BYU. And I would understand because, I, I mean, what's your goal? You take Oregon as a job. Are you thinking national championship? Yes. I guess that probably has to be. I, I don't see Oregon and see them as winning a national championship in the next five years, regardless of who's the coach there. I mean, unless it was Nick Saban. or Why not? You know, Why not? I just don't feel like they have the real culture to be there. They've always wanted to be Nike. They've always wanted to be a brand and not a program. They want to be a brand. And it works. The brand has taken you to college football playoffs. I don't, and even a, a, a national title game, right? Yep. But it doesn't feel like the brand is actually going to break through. But maybe you just need the right coach to do it. That's it. Maybe you just need the right coach That's to do it. it. And Kalani might be the right coach to do it. And if he believes he is, you have to take the job because you get paid, your guys get paid, changes your family wealth forever, and you do have a chance to prove that, hey, I am the elite of the elite when it comes to coaching. And he has an argument that he belongs in that conversation. Our guy, Scotty G, had the take that he thinks the USC is a national champion. With I can't remember the time frame Scott Scotty put it out with, with Lincoln Riley. They're a national champion within a few years. There's no reason whatsoever that that can't be true at Oregon if they hire the right guy. 
And I don't think Mario Cristobal was the right guy. I don't think Willie Taggart was the right guy. Chip was the right guy at the right time. But things change. Mark Helfrich wasn't hey, it. They, you, they, you they believe the reports. There might be a reunion of Chip yeah, Kelly. Yeah, it would be awful. It would be the worst would, hire they could get. It would be a bad idea. It would be a bad idea. But if they find the right dude with a plan to succeed with the resources that they have, who can also coach on the field, there's no reason, no reason whatsoever that they shouldn't be in contention for a national title. Of the names in that are the getting short order. thrown around, just kind of casually, Wilcox, which is crazy to me, Kelly, Kalani's easily the best name. Easily. easily well, that's because Oregon's morons. That's because they've made moronic yep. hires the last two hours. And to your brand point, it's probably because there are a lot of voices out there that you have to adhere to yep. to make the stupid hire. Namely, Phil Knight. Uh, there's one name that really that you have to well, run, there, run I'm sure by. there's a lot, but there's one specific. I mean, so, uh, Wilner uh, had the lane train surface as a possible replacement uh, yesterday for a hot because second. Phil Knight because Phil Knight yeah. likes the lane train. Right. So, you know, not just, I guess, any moron can win at Oregon, but it should be any moron. They should be able to hire a good coach. Kalani would be perfect for them. Apparently, the Wilcox thing is because he played at Oregon. His brother right. played at Oregon. His dad played at Oregon. He is a, he's a duck. Which is funny to me that they feel like they're a culture school. I, that's kind they're of not weird. a culture no, school. Not. They were built on and the back. And they were really bad for a long time. Yeah, they have, they have a game in their history called the Toilet Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it was a 0-0 zero, zero tie between them and Oregon State. Yeah, I don't get... I don't get the idea that this is some like longtime culture school that you need to go back and get somebody from the great days of Oregon. No, you need to be modern. You need to be ahead of the curve. I think that's what's made Oregon good. I actually think Kalani can probably help with that as well. I would hire Wilcox if he had won, kind of, right. with Cal. He's been terrible. Right. And I understand they've got their weird bureaucracy with the school and the education part of it and, and Northern California. I get a lot of that stuff's really difficult. And still, he hasn't found a way to win. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, I, the the names outside of Kalani that are mentioned with Oregon make zero sense. Lane Kiffin would have made a lot right. more sense. Correct. And half an hour into that rumor, they put the kibosh on it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have any confidence in Oregon to hire the right guy. They should hire Kalani, but we'll see. But I, I do think it it's a job you should be able to win at the highest levels at. All right, what's next, Hatch? Number two, Utah running back T.J. Pledger reportedly is entering the NFL draft. By the way, good job by uh, both uh, Kyle Ireland and Trevor Allen for uh, getting the scoop that he's uh, going to be playing the Rose Bowl, and then he's taken off. But he's the number two guy in the depth chart behind Tavion Thomas. He was going to be that way again next year. I get why after you know playing at Oklahoma. He had a good season here in Utah. Well, I understand why he'd try and make this jump. I'll never blame any running back for trying to make the jump regardless. Yep. Because running backs' careers are just so short. Right. And you have such a short window of opportunity. And at that particular position, you don't have to be a first-round pick to succeed. So if you can just latch on to the right situation. Right. What, what was uh, what was Terrell Davis? Like a sixth-round pick by the Broncos seventh, back in the I day? Thought. Seventh? It might have been sixth. You know? You, you never know. Look at, uh, look at a guy um, uh, like Mike Anderson. At uh, the University of Utah, who had a good but not great college career, was more of a fullback at Utah. But man, he find, finds the perfect situation. I don't know why I keep picking Broncos, but finds the perfect situation with the Broncos. Oh, okay. We really do a, know that you you like the donkeys. Oh, just donkeys. admit it. How, how but he guys, had a great had a great NFL career. I never would have predicted that for him coming out of college. Jake, how many guys have we talked to who play college football who just say because they've seen it? They've seen so many guys who you know the next week they're moving pianos or whatever. It is. It's like football ends quickly. How many guys have we seen, like, I just want to get invited to a camp so I can make 
thirty thousand yeah. dollars just to start my life with a chunk of change. Look at what Tyson Williams did. Right, Tyson Williams is probably a good example. He didn't get drafted right out of BYU, no. but he hangs on with Baltimore. He probably made a half million bucks. He's still on the active roster right now. Right. So, like, you stick around on it's the minimum. Nice yeah. That's a really good start to your career, even if you don't get drafted. TJ Pledger, if he can go and hang on for a year, even if you play on a practice squad for a year, you're making, it's like eight or $9,000 yeah. a week. Well, no, nice. I think the practice squad, actually, you can make darn near 150 k a year or something yeah. such anymore. Yeah, so it's got to be making almost $10,000 a well, week if you're on for 16 weeks, you know? So, well, you, 17 weeks now. Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there, I get why he would do this. Well, we tease uh, we tease our guy Hans about being so close to the pension in the NFL, but yeah. not not quite there. <laughs> and that is painful to get within. I can't remember what it is. It's like two or three games of your pension that, that Hans is that close and, and didn't get it. And, but I think Hans would be the first one to tell you he had a nice little boost coming out of college. And of course, he's you know Hans is uh, unbelievable. Newton to three. Hans Olson, he's a radio celebrity, has uh, built a fantastic career for himself post uh, post sports, and he's really good at what he does. But I mean, I'm sure he'll be the first to tell you it was nice to have a, a little bit of a safety, uh, a safety, a head start. You know, yeah. a little bit of a boost. Coming out of college, not everybody, uh, not everybody gets that for sure. All right, Hatch. Also, if there's one thing I'm not worried about, it's Utah bringing in another running back oh. who's going to be just fine behind Tavion Thomas. Was, like, yeah, it's fine. I was going to say, like, if they did it this year, they replacing okay. uh, Ty Jordan after uh, the other two running backs in the room who were very good, by the way, both mm-hmm. transferred, yeah, and they did more. it this year. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm with you on that. Plus, point. they have a kid, Jalen Glover, is their third highest recruit coming in. Fine, well, maybe he'll play. Yeah, you know, what was in his living room the other day. They must think highly of him. All right, number three, 10 is here. Number 24, BYU beats Utah State in basketball for the 10th straight rivalry win. This was a big deal last night on Twitter because, of course, Utah fell just short of beating BYU 10 straight times. So rivalry Twitter was having a fun time that if you beat a team 10 times in state, that's the real deal. Going just nine isn't enough, but going 10, which is I think is a funny slant from, uh, from BYU fans. That's a funny angle. They were good, though. They were up big at the half. That was a blowout. I'm actually surprised by that a little bit just because Utah State has had some good teams. Yeah. Yeah, credit BYU for They have not beaten BYU in Provo since 2004. That's crazy. I was a senior in high school. That's crazy. Is that the J.C. Carroll, Spence Nelson days? That's got to be back then, yeah. Actually, it's right. Is that before J.C. Carroll? Uh, I think that's right at the beginning of J.C. Carroll. I'm trying to think. When was that uh, Utah State-Arizona NCAA tournament game? Um, yeah, I'm surprised by that. Just just a sense that Utah State's had some good teams, but but give BYU a lot of credit. That tells you where the program's at. Because you know, if you would have told me that uh, BYU had ten wins in a row over SUU, that certainly wouldn't shock me. But Utah State, that surprised me a little bit. But BYU moves to eight and one, five and zero at home, still top twenty five team in the country. Uh, probably you know outside of a weird loss that they had to to UVU. I mean, they're they're playing great basketball. They're exactly where they expected to be. All right. So you guys want some of the news from that 2004 game? Let's hear it. Nate Harris, if you remember him. Oh, I remember Nate Harris. Leading scorer in that game for Utah State in the win. 26 points. Spencer Nelson, 14 points in the game. For BYU, Garner Meads at Mike Hall, Trent Playstead. So, some blasts from the past. Former Churchill Charger, Garner yeah. Meads. Yep, there you go. So, What years was Otto Ujo there? He was there 01-02. Was he that early? He was that early. Oh, wow. And he was drafted by the Toronto Raptors. Eighth, like the pick, eighth pick. Eighth pick in the draft by They've the Raptors. Got, oh, he was drafted in 04, so he was there just the oh, year before sorry, that. 02, so, 03, so Okay, yeah. so interesting. So I, I thought that might have been the team, but that, those teams didn't lose a whole lot. No. Hoffa's teams didn't lose at BYU if, much. Here's my hot take for you on Hoffa. If his arms were just, I don't know, three, four inches longer, his wingspan 
Sure. He would have had a long NBA career. But he had the, the T-Rex arms. So he played. He played <laughs> Relatively, yes. So he played smaller than he was, but yet he couldn't shoot. If he were just, if he had the, the length and the weed like of an average human, he would have had a long NBA career. There's my hot take on Hoffa. Could say the same thing about uh, old Jimmy, little Jimmer. Yeah, you absolutely could. Yeah. Do you remember? Uh, also had the alligator. Remember on. that blasting game guy from UNLV that Hoffa oh, nearly decapitated? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he get suspended for that game, for a game for that? Uh, I believe he did. He's a rough player. I thought Hoffa was going to be really good. It was, well, it was, a, it was pre my real close analysis of what college basketball is like. He was a well put together human being. I'll yeah, put, he was. He I'll was a tough guy. Yeah, he was a big man. He was a good college player. Yeah, very sure. good. Yeah. Really good. But I'm with you, Jake. Had his arms been average? Yeah, he had the he had the the T Rex arms. All right, <laughs> couldn't tighten his own belt. <laughs> we'll uh, wrap up, Jake and Ben. Coming up next, stay tuned. Ninety-seven five and twelve eighty the zone. This is DJ and PK. Nick Ford, University of Utah offensive lineman. The way I look at it going forward with the Rose Bowl is from the youth perspective, I wanted Ohio State because they are the highest ranked team that you could possibly play in that game. So at this point, why not compete with the best to prove once and for all that you guys really are one of the best? How do you look at it? Same way. I mean, but we got to prepare the same exact way that we've been preparing. They're a good program for sure. They got a lot of reputation. They got a lot of good athletes over there. So same thing like Oregon. We've got to go out there, have the same mindset that we've been having for the entire season. Work hard, don't work too much to where you get burnt out, and don't work too little to where you become lazy and complacent, and then just go from there and play the game like it's meant to be played. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Jacob Ben, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson. Our boy Sven tweets into the show. If you're just joining us, Ben had a great analogy early in the 11 o'clock hour. You know, coaches that are houses and coaches that are boats. You know, the boat is the flashy, you it's know. Exciting. It's exciting. It's fun. It's, but it's not, you know, uh, uh, the same secure investment that a house is. Kyle Whittingham's a house. Kyle, Urban Meyer's a boat. A lot of, yeah, he's a boat. And boats work. Boats sometimes are what you need. But but if you're going to win long term, you probably want a house. Now, our guy Sven combines that analogy with a hot take that you had last week about you have to be good looking to, uh, to coach on the West Coast. Uh, so Sven, and that that was born out of a take about Craig Bull, who's a good coach, but not physically good looking enough. You can't enough. hire him to coach on the West Coast or the East Coast for that matter. Because he's not good looking enough. So Sven says, according to Ben... Craig Bull is a house, but he is one ugly house, not something you would find on either coast. Definitely not a beach house. Not a beach house. He is a house, though. He's a, a, oh, yeah. He's shelter. He will keep you warm. He will take care of every, all your basic needs. Craig Bull can do it. Absolutely. 100% a house. That's what you want if you're Wyoming. But no, that's not a person you can move to the coast. That's but, not a house they will let you build on the west or the east coast. And that's 100% accurate. He's on it. He gets it. He understands exactly what I'm talking about. That's why we've got the best listeners, because they're smart. They know exactly what we're saying. Sven, I thank you for listening. So it's a it's a good house. It's it's probably nicer than the neighborhood, given we're talking uh, Laramie here. But it wouldn't fit in in La Jolla. No, they're not going to let you bring it down to Beverly Hills. You can't post it up there in the mountains. You can't do it. But it does exactly what you need it to in, uh, in Wyoming. So let me ask you this. Kalani Satake interviewed for the Oregon job. Is he good-looking enough for that job? Yes. And here's the thing. 
good looking is maybe a sh- bad term. It's attractive. Like Kalani Sataki brings a bunch of confidence, a bunch of enthusiasm. He's got a great smile. Like all the things you want to bring to make you believe in somebody, that attractiveness Kalani has in droves. He's a wealth of attractiveness. So now you're saying it's he's got a good personality. You're saying he's not physically good looking. No, enough, he is good he's looking. Got, he's also he's, handsome. He's, he's also he's got a great smile. He's fun to be around. He's warm. He's so warm. He's one of the warmest people Again, you'll ever back walk to into the personality. a room. With. The take was: Are you good looking enough for the job? Okay, you're simply saying, put, you're is Kalani no. Sataki good looking enough to coach at Oregon? Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, it was although Chipper isn't the best looking guy. He coached at Oregon. No, he didn't last, did he? No, that's a good. Then he point. tried to go to the other coast. Now he's back in another coast. They're already trying to move on from him. Yeah, that's trouble. All right. The man who thinks he's hot. I'm taking the wrong jobs. Okay. Now, Philly's probably, Philly probably fits. Philly's one of the few towns you can be on, on the East Coast. On the coast that you can live on, yeah. Well, because Andy Reid isn't a good-looking guy. He no. succeeded in Philly. Yeah. But he moved inland and what happened? Much better. Found his people. True. Found his people and he was much better. Great point. <laughs> Got landlocked went, and won a title. Went to a, a, a town with less attractive standards. Which is true, because, I mean, I know that Kansas City— And I also told you the pros are dangerous. can't really get into it with the pros. Pros are elite of the elite. It's hard to apply it. But what's his name down in L.A. is a pretty good-looking guy. The Rams coach? Great. Sean? Yeah. Great-looking. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. for that job. For sure. L.A.? Yeah, Lakers. You know who didn't last long in L.A.? Kurt Rambis. Yeah, not Ugly a good, good looking dude. Ugly guy. Didn't last with the Lakers. Yeah, you got to be a good looking guy to coach the Lakers. Pat, Pat Riley. Yeah, really Slick good looking Pat, guy. The, yeah, the coolest coach of all time. Absolutely worked. Chuck Daly. Can't do it in LA. Great coach in Detroit. Can't go down to LA. Rest his soul. Is that the reason Van Gundy never got over the hump in, uh, in New York? 100%. 100%. Or even Stan getting over in Orlando, or Miami for that matter. Orlando's like, kind of a different town, too. Uh, d- Orlando is the only landlocked city in all of Florida. Okay, but we're we're through the looking glass here because Pat Riley looked at Stan Van Gundy back when Pat won his last title with the Heat, and Pat was like, Stan, you are not good looking enough for this job. Correct. We've got Dwayne Wade, Shaq, and we're in Miami, and you're the ugliest guy I've ever seen. Hit the road, Jack. Hit the bricks. Yep. It's it's It's... Basically, Handsome Pat a, is coming in and taking the reins. It's a foolproof system. <laughs> That's why I live and die by it. Spolster is a good looking dude. Really good looking. Yeah, he can win. Quinn would win in Los Angeles. Quinn would be just fine in Los Angeles. And again, pros, it's dicey. Quinn would be just fine in Los Angeles. Oh, man. Ime man. Udoka. Handsome man. He's going to be fine. You are a gold mine. I'll tell you what. All right, Hanson Scotty coming up next. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you tomorrow on a Friday, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.